on episode 507 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Dr. Gary Foster and discuss his book, The Shift, Seven Powerful Mindset Changes for Lasting Weight Loss. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 507. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. I'm your host, Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with a specialization in corrective exercise and fitness nutrition. Let me be your coach as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. Hey, Raz, how are things going? Good, Alan. How are you today? I'm doing well. Um, you know, uh, as this goes live, well, I'll actually be back in Bocas. Uh, we're finishing up our trip right now as we're recording this. But uh, by the time this goes live in a few weeks, um, we'll be back in Bocas uh, trying to run uh, Lula's now as a, a full bed and breakfast. And, you know, I'm, I'm now becoming, I have to become the tech guru to run the computer systems and, and things like that. Oh boy. And it's, it's not been easy. Yeah. So um, th- that's been the hardest part, you know, just figuring out what you've got to do to run a restaurant and getting the rules for Panama is one thing, but then you're like, okay, here's the booking engine. And now we have to find a credit card processor that will work out of mm-hmm. Panama. Uh, Tammy's in, trying to start a bank account, but it's like, it's, it's almost impossible. So um, <laughs> it, oh, it's, gosh. it's really like, like the banker traveled to our Island from the mainland and, mm-hmm. and, and met with my wife. And there was all these papers that Tammy needs to fill out or needed to fill out. Or, mm-hmm. And so I think Tammy's going to have to take a trip to the mainland and then spend you know hours with them to just try to get a bank account opened oh. so we can uh, take money in and um, run our credit cards. So mm. a little bit, little bits of mi- bit, that, that, little missing pieces <laughs> as, as yeah. we go about that. So it'll be really busy the you know, first few weeks once we get back because there's just so much to do. Yeah, it sounds like a lot. It's all those little behind the scenes things that tend to eat up your time. But I hope you've had a good vacation while you've been here in the States. I, I did. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we realized because we went to Mexico first and then we came to the States that we were just beat, you know, and you, you <laughs> it sounds weird, but the vacation, uh, you just, you're, you're a different kind of tired. And so it's mm-hmm. almost like, you know, a lot of people say, I need a vacation for my vacation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, no, we we we're putting we put over four thousand miles on this car, oh, and, uh, <laughs> and we're not even and we're not even done. Uh, so you know it'll be about probably about I'm guessing right now probably closer to forty five hundred miles that we'll put on the car total before we turn it back in, and you know so that's just a lot of time. It's a lot of driving. Uh, mm-hmm. We broke the trips up and we were able to see everybody we could see. You know, so it was mm-hmm. it was a really productive trip, uh, but productive and vacation don't typically go together in the same sentence. So uh, uh, I'll probably need some time to, to kind of decompress when I get back, you know, vacation yeah. from a vacation. Oh, for sure. Traveling can be very exhausting, especially yeah. all the places you've seen. So how are things up there? Good. Really great. Our weather is starting to change. And here in Michigan, our leaves are starting to change colors. It's just the beginning of our fall season. So it's about to be gorgeous up here. But over the weekend, Mike and I ran a half marathon and I just want to brag on him a bit because he set a new half marathon PR. And I just want to remind everybody, we just turned 50. (laughs) We're not spring chickens anymore, but 
Um, but he just set a new PR. So this year he has a new PR for the 5k, the 10k and the half marathon. He has just gotten so much faster in the last couple of years. And it's, it's, um, I'm really proud and excited for him. Yeah. And he's in that real sweet spot of the 50 to 55 range. So he's the young and running mm-hmm. in the group, running some of his best that, so he's probably winning medals and having some really good races. I think, yeah, he, we have, we have won some medals in our age bracket so far, but we looked, uh, he, he came in fourth in his age division in this half marathon. He needed to shave nine more minutes off his time. And I want to say, uh, his, his time was one hour and 42 minutes for the half. And so I think the guy was in the one thirties when, um, that just beat him off the podium. So there's some fast people in our (laughs) age brackets, seriously fast. Well, maybe yeah. they'll maybe they'll age out before he does. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, fingers crossed. We can catch up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's well, good, exciting. Good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know, uh, when the weather changes, it's time for me to fly south. So, you know, this year we we did the traveling to see family earlier because September's the downtime in uh, Bocas, and so this when we decided just go ahead and shut try to shut down. But we actually had monthly renters in there, but. This is the thing where it's like, okay, we're going to shut down and we're not going to worry about this and we'll go. And that's going to, so we're going to be traveling more during this time in September. And I can just tell you going to Indiana and North Carolina and Miami, it's a, it's a much nicer time of the year weather-wise to be there. Uh, It wasn't cold. And in fact, I think I might've put on a sweatshirt once. Oh, wow. Good. I was able to wear jeans. I don't wear jeans on the (laughs) island. I, I wore jeans a couple of times and I was oh thinking boy. when I got here, I might have to buy more, but no, the weather stayed nice the whole time. Good. And so, uh, I'm still wearing shorts. <laughs> Fantastic. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to kind of getting back to my bocus routine, mm-hmm. uh, starting the training for that, uh, uh tough mutter in mm-hmm. uh, August. And so it's August 27th. If you're interested yeah, you can go to 40 plus fitness podcast.com forward slash Chicago. And they used to call it a classic and they, they made some changes to their website since last time I looked at it. So now it's a 15 K. So there's a 15 K and some of the children's runs on Saturday. And then on Sunday, they're doing a 10 K and a 5 K. And so there are different distances in this. If you don't think you're up to uh, the 15 K, which was the classic. So I think they're shorting, shortening it a little bit because it'll be closer to nine and a half miles. Uh, than the t- 10 to 12 that it used to be, but it's still 25, 24, 25 uh, obstacles. So uh, it's going to be the full array of those. But uh, if anybody's interested, go to 40 plus fitness forward slash Chicago. Um, as we get closer to the event, if I know, so if you're telling me you're, you're going to be there, uh, I'm on the 10 to 10 45 run. Uh, so if you signed up and you're in that same run, let me know. And, you know, we, maybe we meet up and uh, do some of the course together. Cause it very much is a um, team style even if you're not on a team or bring a team everybody's helping everybody you know so you're trying to climb out of a mud pit everybody's helping you climb out of the mud pit and then you're turning around and helping them get out of the mud pit so it's a you know it's a really cool run it's very very personal you meet a lot of people um and it you know it's tough but uh tough mutter but it is it is a fun run so if you're interested in doing that then let me know if you're in the area and i'll know more as they get closer to where they're actually going to host it 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 can be anywhere within two miles of Chicago and they're going to call it the Chicago uh, Tough Mudder, but uh, we'll be in a general area. So if you're in the area, maybe we do something that Saturday night, have a dinner or something. If, if anybody's in the area, we can figure it out. But uh, again, it's on the 27th of August 
the 10 to 10.45 run. And if you, like I said, go to the website, uh, you can sign up for that now. I think they're going to be, well, by the time this goes live, unfortunately, they probably raise their prices a little bit. That's kind of how they run with it is the prices go up. They have early bird and then they kind of raise the prices. So you might pay a little bit more than someone else paid. Uh, but for what you get and all the fun, it's it's well worth it. Sounds awesome. All right. So you want to have a conversation with Dr. Foster? Sure. Our guest today is the Chief Scientific Officer at WW, formerly Weight Watchers International. He is the founder and former director of the Center for Obesity Research and Education at Temple University, and he served as clinical director of the Weight and Eating Disorders Program at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. He is the author of numerous scientific publications on the psychology, causes, and treatment of obesity, and has worked with thousands of people in group and individual settings. With no further ado, here is Dr. Gary Foster. Dr. Foster, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. Thanks, Alan. It's a pleasure to be with you. So today we're here to talk about your book, The Shift, Seven Powerful Mindset Changes for Lasting Weight Loss. And um, it's one of the things that has really kind of hit me over the last six years of doing this is that for most of us, any substantive change that we make in our life has to start in the head. We, we have to fix our mindset first, and then the good things happen. It, it almost never, ever is going to work the other way. That's exactly right. And I think for most people, that's a little counterintuitive. When most people are starting on a weight or wellness journey, their first thoughts and often their only thoughts are, what do I eat? How do I move? And really get pretty granular about that. Is it low carb, high protein, low fat? Is it strength resistance training? Is it hit? There's a lot of stuff going through people's minds. And while what you eat and how you move is certainly important for your wellness, I think the missing ingredient and the thing that people most underestimate over my 30 years of clinical and research experience is the most important component to a wellness journey is your mindset. And simply put, your mindset is how you think about the journey, but also importantly about how you think about yourself. Yeah, you know, I um, my my path to to taking care of myself. I was I was not healthy. I was not fit. Uh, doing great in my career, that was wonderful. So I was, you know, what I call one for three. And overall, I realized that was probably the worst one that I should have been focusing on. But I didn't like myself. Uh, quite honestly, at that point in my life, I really didn't like myself. And for the next eight years, uh, effectively punished myself to try to fix me. And so it wasn't until I came to this this realization that um, the lacking component was compassion and love. And you put that as the first mindset change and, and kind of really the only way this is ever going to happen is you got to get this done first. Can you talk about self-compassion and why it's so important? Yeah. First, congratulations on your success. I, I know about your success and it's quite impressive. And I really applaud the efforts you're doing to get that message out that it's how you think about yourself and the journey that makes a difference. And you're right. Uh, the book starts with, it, it's about seven different shifts that are, you know, have science-based proven techniques to help you with your wellness journey. In fact, any journey in life, but to your point, self-compassion is the basis of all of it. 
if, if you look at the way most people start a journey of any sort, whether to your point, it's in your professional life or a wellness journey or a weight journey or any self-improvement journey, people often view it in a deficit model. So what do I have to fix? What deficiencies do I have? And that just doesn't really feel that great, right? If instead you can build from a position of strength, not weaknesses. What strengths do I have that can help me achieve my goals? And that's all predicated on self-compassion. And that basically says that I'm worth taking care of, that any self-improvement project that I undertake, whether it's personal, professional, whatever it is, is based on my own value, as is, without any change I am worth taking care of. And that's a position of strength. And that generates power for the journey. Alternatively, and I hear this a lot, being a clinical health psychologist for over 30 years, working with lots of people, elbow to elbow, elbow to elbow, knee to knee in their weight loss journeys. I hear often that uh, they start out at a point where I'm weak-willed, I'm undisciplined, I have terrible eating habits. And I often say sort of jokingly, you know, that's you you're talking about. Like, you need yourself to be successful in this journey. And that's why self-compassion is so critical. Yeah. And, and if you don't have self-compassion, I think a lot of these other things we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to end up kind of circling back to that because you can't really see these things or do anything about it. Uh, and the next one I wanted to talk about was the unhelpful thinking. Uh, and the reason this one resonated with me so much was wow, I, I used to do that all the time. <laughs> wow, I used to do that all the time. Three out of the four, I was guilty of practically every day of my life uh, from the t- up until maybe even still today. Occasionally, I find myself with some of this unhelpful thinking. Uh, can you go over the four categories that you had, the main ones, the ones we do probably the most? Because like I said, I saw myself in most of them. Yeah, uh, sure. Happy to. Uh, the fundamental premise is what we think influences what we do. So if you think about different, this is steeped in 60 years of of research and cognitive therapy, Uh, without getting into all the details, it really is how fundamental, how, how basic our thought patterns are driving what we feel and what we do. So accepting that science, then there are styles that I've observed over my clinical career that really get in the way of a successful wellness journey is one is all or none. Um, and this is things are are great or they're terrible. I'm on a diet or I'm off a diet. It's a it's a a good food or it's a bad food. It's viewing viewing the world and any interaction that you encounter with as all or none. Light bulb thinking, black and white thinking. Lots of ways to think about that. And and the problem with that essentially is that the world is not like that. And the most frequent off ramps to the journey are precipitated by these kind of unhelpful thinking styles. They're thinking styles that make you just say, the heck with it. You know, one day I've blown it. Really? So anyway, that's the first one, all or none. The other is once makes always. And I hear this frequently. So somebody will have a rough day. They didn't eat as they planned. They didn't work out as they planned. And in a non-weight world, people can say things like, well, this is the way it always goes. A watch out for this kind of thinking is when you hear your yourself saying things like never, always, those are signals that that's rarely true and that you're taking one event 
and extrapolating that to believe it will always happen and it will never change. The third is negative filtering. And again, this happens both in wellness journeys and in work journeys. I'll take the work journey on uh, uh, in the first case here. If you get feedback from your supervisor uh, in an annual review or quarterly review that uh, on four criteria, you're knocking out of the park on three, but there's room for, for development and for opportunity and for growth on a fourth. If you're a negative filter, all you think about is that fourth one. And you start to worry about your job and is it secure? And it gets you down into this swirl of negative thinking and not seeing the big picture. So it's really trying to make a mountain out of a molehill, but in an overly negative way. And the fourth, which is less common, but I put it in the book uh, because I've seen it frequently. And also it, it gets across this point that not the, the key to this is not just positive thinking, it's realistic thinking. And this style that, that's not helpful is called don't worry, be happy. And these are people who go through life, um, and again, in a variety of different arenas, and just say, oh, it'll get better. Well, how do you think it will get better? I'm not sure it'll get better. Tomorrow will be a better day. And while that uh, initial optimism is helpful, and we're not encouraging people to be overly negative, plans work better than platitudes. It's important to say, okay, if tomorrow's going to be a better day, how will it be a different day? How will it be a different day? So those are the styles that I've noticed over my 30 years in the field that can get in the way. And, and simple tweaks, a technique that we talk a lot in the book about um, is called a reality check. So when you have these thoughts, ask yourself, you can do it from a couple of different ways. One is, what would a good friend say to you? Um, and, and we can talk more about that because that's also a good self-compassion technique. But the other is to act as almost, almost as if you're a lawyer. So what are the facts to support that I have no willpower or here I go again, or I'll never be able to be successful? What are the facts to support that? And that kind of reality check can help do a check on that thinking and help you develop more helpful, more realistically, uh, more realistic thoughts. Yeah. And the way I like to to talk to people about these realistic thoughts is a lot of times in the moment you you don't know you're doing this it's 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 almost invisible to you uh, because it's just second nature is that after something goes wrong i always find it valuable to, to first with the self-compassion forgive yourself um, and then second analyze what happened you know um you you go in and you get stressed on friday afternoon. And so you, you leave there, you go to the bar, you have a couple of beers to calm down and relax. And then you say, okay, yeah, sure. I'll go ahead and get the pizza. And then you eat the whole pizza you go home and you're like, well, I, I sort of blew it. You know, I blew the, I blew the, I blew the day. I, I might as well blew the, blow the, blow the whole weekend. And so that's your all or none thinking. Exactly. Right. And, and so you, you realize then, okay, what happened? Well, I, I went there and I probably would have done better to go to the park and go for a walk. So the next time I find myself really stressed out on a Friday evening, I'm going to go to the park and I'm going to walk around for a little while instead of going to the bar and having a couple of beers. And that's kind of that way you can take that and get to the reality of it is this is not who you are. This is just an action and a point in time. And if you focus on the why it happened and get to the trigger, you know, then you can take and avoid that unhelpful thinking. And take it to the next step of saying, okay, what is the plan? What is the better action for me next time this happens? And so that that slip to success model that I like to use with my clients is really just that three steps of reality-based reality thinking, 
yeah, it happened. I can't undo it. I can't uneat the pizza. I can't undrink the beer, uh, but I, I can do something better next time. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I like the way that you think about that, that first you start with self-compassion and self-forgiveness. This is not a time to beat your up, beat yourself up. Self-flagellation does not work <laughs> self-improvement. It just doesn't. The other thing I liked about what you said, and, and we use this, one of my favorite phrases clinically is ask how, don't ask why. Because if you can go retrospectively, as you just did in that example about stress leads to a couple beers leads to ordering pizza, you can look at each step in what we call a behavioral chain and think about where's the weakest link? Is it that could you have avoided the stress? Could you have managed the stress differently? Could you have had the beers and not had the pizza? Like there's lots of ways. And then you're in charge of your destiny the next time. And the question is, if it didn't go well, how did it not go well? And how can it be improved in the future? And alternatively, if it did go well, how did it go well? So you can rinse and repeat on that rather than thinking that the stars and the moons were lying. No, you made that happen. So I like so much about the way you think about it in terms of looking back, having self-forgiveness and putting yourself in charge of where could I do it differently the next time? Yeah. One of the things you did in the book that I, I really liked, because as I, as I got to thinking uh, through some of this, it was, it seems like every time someone wants to change themselves, they want to improve their weaknesses. You know, uh, I'm going to eat healthier, you know, that's the, so I'm going to lose some weight. Uh, I'm going to go to the gym five days a week, even though I hate the gym and I'm not really good at it, or I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and do this couch to 5k, even though I've, I've never really run in my life. We always seem to want to pick the weakest point of us and start working on that, thinking that's going to give us the best return on our invested investment. But the reality is quite opposite of that. We need to actually double down on our strengths to be successful on this journey. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Again, it's very common uh, when people embrace a journey or embark on a journey to start thinking about what's wrong. It's sort of like a fix-it model. Um, and in some ways, it, again, it's yourself you're talking about. And it, treating yourself with some positive self-regard and saying, what do I bring to this experience? What are my strengths? Just has a different feel to it than here's a long laundry list of things that I need to fix. And I can think of a, a patient I worked with, an extremely successful entrepreneur, had established a really robust retail experience, uh, had been through the ups and downs of uh, recessions and lots of industry pressures, uh, lots of uh, near bank foreclo foreclosures on the business, uh, really high stress and was now on the other side of it um, and was trying to manage her weight. And when she started on the weight journey, she was uh, very quick to judge herself, very quick for harsh uh, characterizations of who she was as a person. I, I can never follow this through. I'm not persistent. I don't have any discipline. And I, I just said, can we just stop for a second? And let's just, just talk about what you've done in your career. What, what are some character strengths that you have that you would think that helped you? And the first thing she said was perseverance, is that no matter what was going on in the business, internally, externally, I was able to persevere. 
And just that little shift of getting her to think, I, I am someone who perseveres, changes the, the narrative, the self-narrative, which is ultimately the most important one, on how she can persevere through this journey. And again, I want to be clear, when we say character strengths, there's a whole science of positive psychology behind this. This isn't making judgments about this is a good and this is a bad, this is a weakness, this is a deficit. We all have character strengths. And helping uh, what we do in the book is help people identify what their character strengths are so they can leverage that. And again, at the end of the day, it's that slight shift in mindset that if you, I'm starting with something that feels good to me, something I'm good at, this is, I'm pretty good at this. That gives you a sense of self-efficacy, of confidence that I can leverage a skill set I have rather than going in this forever elusive pursuit of like a whack-a-mole game of trying to whack down every weakness I have. Yeah. I, uh, you had a, uh, a link to a strengths profile uh, quiz that you could do. And I, I took the time to go out and do that quiz, the, the VIA character strengths profile. And it was interesting because I think a lot of people would think, okay, if you're going to lose a lot, if someone loses a lot of weight, they obviously have a lot of self-control and, and, and all of that self-regulation was 19th out of the 24. Uh, my top five were honesty, bravery, leadership, curiosity, and love of learning. And so as I started thinking about, well, how, how did these play, how did these strengths play out when I was actually doing what I was doing? And the reality was, yes, yeah, self-regulation really wasn't what did it for me. It was the liking a high, high-minded challenge. So I, I signed up for a Tough mutter. And, you know, I, I, I told people I was going to do it. So I'm an honest person. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stand up to what I said. I, I actually signed up with my daughter. I said, I'm going to be ready and I'm going to, I'm going to do this race with you. And, you know, just the, the, from there getting my certifications and things like that to learn what I needed to do to take care of myself, to train myself. I just look at that and say, that's that right there was my little roadmap that was in here in my head. But I, I didn't realize that that's what I was doing at the time was I was not trying to self-regulate myself to healthy eating. I just knew that if I was being honest with myself and what I challenged myself to do, I had to do better. And I, I did lean on those so much heavier, more, more heavy, heavier, heavily <laughs> than, than I did on the ones that I was much weaker in. And, and I think that made all the difference. Yeah, it really does. And it's good to put some words to it, to actually realize these are inherent strengths that people have, and they can leverage them in the process, again, instead of searching for these weaknesses or deficiencies. Yeah. And I think you said it in the book, and you just said it earlier, to know what your basic strengths are, you can just look back on other things that you've been successful at, and hey, what got me there? That's the same thing that can make you successful in every journey that you take going forward, including losing weight, getting stronger, uh, and just getting healthier. Yeah, and I think one of the things because of the significant stigma that's associated with higher body weights in our culture, people often can, in a negative way, compartmentalize. So they, they forget about all these strengths they have in non-weight and wellness journeys um, as if they don't exist when it comes to other areas of their life. So sometimes in the, in the patient that I was talking about, it's just a general reminder about I've, I've accomplished a lot in my life and I've done so with a variety of different strengths and how can I use those strengths for other purposes in life? You know, it's not just wellness. It's not just weight. It, it generalizes to a lot of other things, yes. which is why I think it's so powerful. 
I'm going to make sure there's a link in the show notes. So you can go to 40 plus fitness podcast.com forward slash five zero seven. And I'll have a link to that, uh, that quiz. So you can find out what your core strengths are, but it also is very valuable because it gives you all 24 of the strength profiles. So you literally can go through there and read it and say, well, is that, is that more like me or less like me? Uh, so it's a great learning tool and I encourage folks to go out there and check that out. Yeah, that work that VIA does under the leadership of Neil Meyerson is really impressive, and I'm glad it's it's available so publicly, and that's why we recommended it in the book. Cool. Dr. Foster, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? Yeah, I, I think if I had to pick three, I would go back uh, to the beginning of our conversation and say, start with self-compassion. And I won't belabor it here because we've already discussed it, but really treating yourself as you would treat a friend, as as a friend would treat you with this kind, positive self-regard. It doesn't mean everything's perfect or you're perfect, but you're starting out with an assumption that you're worth taking care of. And any self-improvement opportunity you have is because you're worth it, not because you're deficient. Point two is to set realistic goals. People often mistakenly think that I've got to set these uh, bold, audacious goals uh, to get success. And while I'm not saying, you know, don't shoot for the stars, that's fine. The first step should be a small, reasonable one. And there's great science behind this. B.F. Skinner, a famous psychologist, uh, had this concept, which was proven out time and time again, called successive approximation, which is just fancy psychological jargon for take it one step at a time so that you approximate the goal by breaking it down into smaller steps. Um, there's a, a story of, of, a, of a member in, our, in the book who talked about she had a 100-pound weight loss goal, but she broke it down into five-pound increments. More importantly than that, she broke down, what do I need to do to reach those five pounds? What specifically do behavioral goals rather than weight loss goals really drive the day? So these small, realistic goals give you an opportunity to be successful at each interval rather than saying, I'm not going to congratulate myself for whatever it is, the running a marathon, why don't I just start with I walked a mile? That's a great way to start. And I think the third thing, um, which again, might be counterintuitive, is to expect setbacks. That to realize that the journey is not a straight line. It has lots of ups and downs, whether it's on the scale, whether it's in your workout intensities, whether it's your work performance, whether it's how you perform as a parent, how you do in the workplace, it's never a straight line. And instead of using setbacks as an opportunity to take the off-ramp, use that as an opportunity for learning, much in the way you talked about with the beer, stress, beer, pizza cycle. How do I go back and learn that and use that as an opportunity? So self-compassion, set small, realistic goals that are achievable, and then importantly, expect setbacks. They happen 100% of the time to 100% of the people. It can be distressing, but it's also a great way to say, hey, setbacks happen. It's my next move that matters most. Welcome to being human. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) If someone wanted to learn more about you, Dr. Foster, and the book, the shift, seven powerful mindset changes for lasting weight loss. Where would you like for me to send them? 
You can go basically anywhere, any retail uh, location where books are sold, anywhere uh, online. My bio is there and the the tales about the book are there. I I think the thing I would like people to know is that the reason I I wrote this book is that after 30 years um, and after actually learning from the people I work with, I realized that while eating and activity are important, it's mindset that matters and it matters enormously. And I think one of the things I hope people can get from a book like this is is to get some small shifts that can lead to big results. Because as you said at the outset, Alan, it's really important if you, you have to start with mindset, the other things follow. They won't be uh, effortless, but they will be much easier with the right mindset. You can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 507, and I'll be sure to have links to the book there. Dr. Foster, thank you so much for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. My pleasure, Alan. It was nice to chat with you. Welcome back, Raz. Hey, Alan. I think Dr. Foster is my new best friend. (laughs) (laughs) He and I have a lot in common, but what he said at the very beginning What we eat and how we move is important, but before all that, mindset. It's my favorite word. Yeah. And we've talked about this and, and, you know, kind of part of this, this whole, you know, because every once in a while I'll get into a topic set and you, you know, when I was going through the layoffs, my layoff, uh, I started talking about stress. I started looking for books on stress and that kind of became a, a big thing, big theme for the show for, for several weeks. And, and if you've noticed over the last several weeks, we've talked a lot about mindset. I've had guests on talking about it. I've talked about it. Um, it really is the start of all of it. And if you don't take the time to get your head right, then the first stumble block that you come to, you're, you're going to trip up. And mm-hmm. 99% of people hit that first bump in the road and they're out. They just quit. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, this is too hard. This isn't happening fast enough. I'm not, I'm not good at this. I, it's never worked before, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we talked about some of that unhelpful thinking, but that's exactly where this all comes from is if you get your mindset right, then you're in that position to recognize when you're using words like always and never, yeah. uh, you know, or the, oh, well, I screwed up. So I may as well mm-hmm. You start recognizing those tendencies to just blow everything off. Mm-hmm. I'll start back on Monday. <laughs> um, kind of mindset. And, yeah. and really, really that's, that's been the huge stumbling block for most people is mm-hmm. that, that, you know, going into it without having their head on straight. And I'll admit that was me too. I, you know, I'm 37 years old. I was very unhappy uh, with myself and I decided I, w- I needed to do something about it, but it took me eight years mm-hmm. before I actually really did anything substantive. And it really did come down to that. You know, I didn't have the right mindset. I wasn't committed. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have self-compassion. And so those, those big elements that were missing then allowed me to get my head right to say, okay, don't have to be perfect mm-hmm. yet. You know, I just need to be really good. Mm-hmm. And the better I do, then the better I can do. And then just seeing this as a, a gradual progression up the hill. And in some cases, it feels like you're walking up a sand dune and the sand's just shifting under your feet. And you just don't feel like you're really getting anywhere because you're sliding. It seems like you're sliding almost as much as you're stepping, but the reality is you are moving, you are moving Mm -hmm. up and you just got to keep that pace, be comfortable with it and just keep going and don't let yourself get negatively influenced by just things that are outside your control and having the right mindset does all of that. 
Absolutely. And you mentioned, and also Dr. Foster mentioned having self-compassion. If you're coming um, from a place of love that you want to do something that's good for yourself, um, you'll get farther instead of the negative thoughts, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm overweight. I shouldn't be here at the gym or I shouldn't be seen in public. And, and I see a lot of that mindset, especially with brand new runners who are running, trying to lose weight. You know, they're embarrassed to be out in the streets. They're embarrassed to be seen, but no, you know, you got to change that shift and, and you're coming from a place of self-love then you're working on improving your health and you deserve to be anywhere you want to be, no matter, you know, how you're feeling about yourself. So, yeah, I think the self-compassion is also a positive shift that people need to focus on. Yeah. You know, we talked about it a few weeks ago. I forget her name, but about being your own BFF, you know, Um, and it really is. It really does come down to that. Mm -hmm. If the thoughts that you're in your head were Mm -hmm. things that you would say out loud to your best friend, then they're probably okay thoughts. But if you start having thoughts and you're thinking, I would never say this to my best friend's face, even if it was yeah. true, <laughs> I wouldn't say it. Yeah, right. um, I wouldn't say it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of thinking about it, this thought that I'm having, is it fair? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's something I wouldn't say to my friend, how would I say it to my friend if I needed to, if I really needed to? So mm-hmm. it's the, oh, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to have the three beers and the pizza <laughs> when I when I went out with friends, I was going to try to do, be better, and I had the three beers, and then we ordered pizza, and then we ordered more pizza, and and then I blew that Friday night. So then it was like a cascade through my whole weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, at some point you tell your friend, it's like, well, okay, you you know that's not how you want to do it. So mm-hmm. what are some things that you can do next time to keep that from happening? And you see, just that that way that I went about it is, is more con- constructive mm-hmm. than destructive. Mm-hmm. You would never tell your friend, oh my God, you're a fat <laughs> cow. How did you, why? And look mm-hmm. at you, Blue, Saturday and Sunday, you may as well just quit, right. you know? And, and you would never, ever say that to your best friend, but we're saying it to ourselves in our heads all the time. Well, just like you mentioned in that example, you go out uh, for a night, you have all sorts of beers and pizza, you know, think about that for just a minute. You know, you spent time with your friends, you were doing something you enjoy, socializing or celebrating something special. Okay. It was not the greatest night. It was not the best choice, but what could you have done? And even Dr. Foster mentioned, mentioned that, you know, as you look back on these little bits of slip ups, what could you have done better? I mean, could you have maybe not had so much pizza or could, what I do in a lot of cases is I'll have my snack at home just in case I can't find anything on the menu that I would like, and then just socialize that night instead of eat and socialize. So, I mean, you can have um, your problem solving tips you know, ready for the next time. And he also mentioned too, that be prepared for slip-ups. These things happen. We have holidays. We have nights out with friends. You know, things do go sideways. So just be prepared. Have your bag of tricks. Yeah. And when you take those detours, know why you're doing it. You know, Mm -hmm. don't don't just go in and say, oh, I'm going to do this. Um, You know, we were driving here and there was a sign on the side of the road, the Sasquatch uh, Museum. And I'm like, oh, uh." (laughs) (laughs) okay. (laughs) You know, but it was like, no, I, I, I need to, I'm having dinner with my friends and I need Mm -hmm. to be in uh, the Tampa by this time. I I don't have time to visit the Sasquatch Museum this Mm -hmm. trip, but now I got this little tickler in my head that says next time you're (laughs) traveling through Florida, Mm -hmm. find the Sasquatch Museum because you might want to spend some time there. Sure. But, but, you know, just, but just not letting yourself kind of get pulled off by just every little whim, every little thing that happens. It just kind of keeps you a little bit more focused on it. 
And I think that's why I was really impressed with the the concept of focusing on strengths rather than weaknesses. Yeah. We, you know, almost everybody goes at this and says, "Okay, well, you know, I have I have a sweet tooth. Uh, I love my desserts. You know, I, mm-hmm. I like beer, or I, you know, I, I do well during the week, but then I blow my weekends." And so they're they're like, "Okay, I, I've got this weakness, and I need to fix that weakness, and then that's mm-hmm. going to fix me." When the reality of it is, maybe you have strengths like you still are physically relatively active and it's like, okay, I can bump up my activity mm-hmm. and I would actually enjoy that. Or, you know, I know, I, I know that I have some strengths, like I want to drink more water. And so I say, okay, well, if I put a plan in place, like I've got this gallon jug mm-hmm. and I carry that jug with me, then I, I know that I'll drink that water. So it's just knowing that, okay, if I have a system, I can get it done. If mm-hmm. I have a certain thing that I'm, I'm really good at, uh, then I, I get it done. If I really like cooking, then I do my batch cooking on Sunday and I've got my meals for the whole rest of the week. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so all of those things are where there's a strength where you identify a strength in yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you say, based on my, my overall strengths, not just physical capacity, mental capacity, but saying, okay, I am better when I'm focused on this. Mm-hmm. And I did go through that strengths thing that he had in there and, uh, you know, kind of looked at mine and, you know, actually self-regulation was like out of 24, it was like 19th. Wow. Uh, you know, most people think, oh, Alan's really disciplined and it's not a function of discipline. It's a function of structure. Mm-hmm. If I have a structure, then my, everything just gets easier. So, mm-hmm. you know, for my training for the tough mutter, I have literally blocked out every morning, Monday through Friday and part of the morning on Saturday to train. Good. Okay. So I have five hour, five hour windows every day of the week, I mean, six days of the week to train and I'll be mm-hmm. lifting six days, um, five days and, and basically doing some cardio six days mm-hmm. and then taking Sunday off. And so that's my structure. That's awesome. There, nothing else is on my calendar. It's mm-hmm. just, just that boom. I got, I got, I mean, I'm in the gym at seven o'clock. I'm lifting. I finish mm-hmm. my lifting. The gym doesn't open till eight 30. So the gym is mine. And then I, leave the gym and I go and do some cardio and that might be kayaking. That might be walking. That might be some running. Uh, but basically each day I've allotted about, about three and a half hours of cardio, which is about how long the tough mudder will take me. Mm -hmm. So I just know physically, if I can keep moving for three and a half hours, I can Mm -hmm. do a tough mudder. And so that's the plan. You know, it's interesting, Alan, because your tough mutter is your A goal, you know, for next year, that's your primary focus. And so all that time that you show up for yourself in the gym, you're focused on that as your goal. So you're going to, you're not focusing on, I got to improve my cardio. I got to lift heavier weights and I got to do all these things. Those are all kind of like what's going to happen as a side effect of your focus on this main goal. And similarly, that's what I think like too, when I'm focused on a race, I've got a race that I I need to prepare for. And like, you'll be out there for three hours. I'll be out there for a couple hours running. It's, it's not how many hours I'm going to be out there in the head. It's just that I'm out there running. And so the focus is, you know, on the, the fun part of running or the fun part of the tough mutter. And it's not all on the hard sweat that we need to put out at the gym to get to that point, which makes it to me, it makes it exciting and fun. Yeah. I look at it like this, what, you know, what can I control and what can Mm -hmm. I not control? And what I can't control is how much body fat my body decides to shed. Mm -hmm. What what I can control is the level of effort I put in at the gym and the number of days I show up and will I slip up? 
Yes. Will there be something one day my body's going to sit there and my, my knee's not going to feel really good. And so my cardio is going to have to change or my elbows kind of <laughs> really good. And mm-hmm. I'm going to have to change my lifting program a bit. Uh, yeah, all of that's completely possible and, and mm-hmm. likely, you know, actually oh, yeah. very highly likely. And so I'm going to go at this and say, what do I, con- what can I control? I can mm-hmm. control Monday, you know, Monday, the October 4th is my first morning on, on schedule. And quite literally I'm up before seven o'clock and I'm at the gym. And mm-hmm. so if it's six 45, I'm walking to the gym, I'm already winning. That's awesome. Now what I can't, like I said, what I don't have control over are some of the side effects, but there will be side effects. There's going to be positive mm-hmm. side effects of that. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to mm-hmm. probably put on a little muscle, get a little mm-hmm. stronger get some t- sun because uh, most of my training will be outdoors in the sun. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't have an off season. Like, you know, it's not like cold weather, like you're going to be dealing with where, you know, you're, you're out there trudging through the snow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, no, none of that snow stuff for me. I might be running through some sand. Uh, but right. No That's snow. good for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I might yeah. be doing, I might do, doing sprints in the sand. Sure. It's like, yeah, I, you know, I want to get some cardio in and I really, I could actually get it in a lot faster today if I just go and do some uh, hit training uh, in the deep uh, bluff sand. I can do that and, you know, just mm-hmm. make it, make it a training. And I, but I've done my training for that day. And then if I end up saying, okay, that I've had enough, I'm done, then I'm done. And mm-hmm. I can, I can approach it from that perspective of focusing on activity mm-hmm. and performance of the activity. And then if I'm having a good lifting day, that's great. If I'm having a bad lifting day, then you know, evaluate what, what I, what I learned, what can I do? And, and then just keep moving through that. Because like I said, m- my strengths are honesty integrity and just continue to push myself it's not self-regulation so what i have to do is is actually rely on systems and processes to say okay i have this goal i have this bigger thing in front of me and i put one foot it's it's kind of a uh it's it's kind of a a runner's thing is i put one foot in front of the other it's like god if you know if if you lift it up i'll put Mm -hmm. it down you know and just just get that foot forward Yep. And then, you know, then it'll take care of itself. And, and that's really how these things work. And yes, the Tough Mudder is, it, is there, but and it's, not, it's not a goal in and of itself. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's an opportunity and it's an obstacle. And I've put this big obstacle in front of me that's going to require me to change certain behaviors for that period of time. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I have now recognized that I kind of need to have mm-hmm. something in front of me that I'm moving toward or training for to excite my training, to keep me active and going because, Mm -hmm. you know, I can go in the gym every day. And then it's just a point where you're saying, okay, this is the same workout I did nine months ago. I'm doing it again. I'm about the same strength, (sighs) you know? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and it's, it's cool. And I feel Mm -hmm. good about it, but at this, at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, but where am I moving? And, you know, it's just having something that I feel like I'm moving toward. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's important for a lot of other people. It might not be, it might be watching the scale, uh, but you don't have total control over that. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I, maybe I I don't have total control over whether I'm going to be in good enough shape to complete the tough mutter myself. You know, I am at this point going to be, I think, uh, eight years, almost eight years older than I was the last time I did it. And so that, that's not a little bit of time, but I'm going back and I'm going to do it again. And I fully expect that there'll probably be another one in my future, sure. um, it, it, you know, particularly if I have a good, a good time, but you know, that's what this is all about, but it starts with the mindset, as we mm-hmm. said, and then it's, it's really just about saying, okay, what's going to keep me engaged. What's going to keep me fired up. What's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and looking at what I'm doing from that perspective of it's a gift. Mm-hmm. For me to complete a Tough mutter is a gift. It is. You know, and so that's what I, that's the gift I want to give this person I love is that feeling of success at the end of a Tough mutter. I love that. That sounds great. All right. Um, anything else you want to go over or we'll talk no, next week? No, that was week. great. No, I got to take that test though that uh, Dr. Foster uh, put out there. Look at that. It, it was it was quite interesting. And then after you get through with it, you kind of go back and go back and say, yeah, you know, I, I kind of get that. Sweet. Uh, they weren't all really strengths that I would have initially equated to health and fitness. But if you mm-hmm. take a few minutes to sit down, you start realizing that the things that you are successful at are those things where you emphasize those strengths. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those, they, they, they just push you faster. They make you do better. And, uh, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, you, you know, you do at some point need to address your weaknesses, uh, mm-hmm. but it, they become easier and easier to do when you get mm-hmm. the snowball of all those strengths and those successes, uh, those, those weaknesses sort of just, they, they just take care of themselves. I think so. I, I think that having those strengths or knowing what your strengths are, are your best tools in your toolbox for you to be able to attack your goal with. All right. Well, you'll have to let me know how that goes. Yeah, will do. All right. Well, I'll talk to you next week. Take care. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we're going to discuss colon cancer and colon screening. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.